If you've ever found yourself passionately curious, the type to soak knowledge and question the how and why, and think you might have the curiosity to push past average, push all the way to limitless, then welcome to Sales Network One. Sebastian Vivacqua is an expert on the human connection of sales in life and business, and he's here to evolve our thinking about the psychology of selling. You'll also hear from sales heroes, growth addicts, and rising stars on their strategies, methodologies, and techniques all tools you can use for your own limitless growth. It's the concepts, the fundamentals, even things you've heard before, but presented in a way that just makes sense. Now, let's get into it. Team, friends, whatever you are, first of all, I want to kick this off by sending you a mountain of positive vibes uh, during these times. And thank you so much for the support and for tuning in. Today on this episode, uh, I got uh, a great guest, uh, Chris Nagley. He's part of the uh, sales and marketing. I, I'm also going to mention this. And uh, he's part of the sales and marketing community, Marketing Minds, uh, kicked off by Nick Staggy. And he's been a, a global sales trainer for the past seven years. He started with the GoPro. So he's got a, a lot of great... Um, stuff in, in, in knowledge in, in terms of sales training and enablement. And it's a very interesting topic that we're going to get into, which is talking about um, enablement on the side of how do you build uh, an LMS, a meaningful LMS. Uh, without saying any further, excited to get this kicked off. So let's get into it. Chris, thanks so much for coming to the show. Happy to have you here. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. And I, from here on, I'm gonna for for listeners in between our in between our community with Nick, we with, with that we have with Nick there, and and Chris is also part of this community. We call him Snuggles, so uh, I'm gonna continue <laughs> calling him Snuggles. <laughs> and, and for listeners, I would love for you to share what you're up to these days. A uh, pure storage, please. Yeah, yeah. So uh, right now, I'm a program manager uh, at Pure Storage uh, on the Pure IQ organization. So Pure IQ is our internal uh, sales enablement organization. So we're responsible for enabling close to 2,000 field salespeople. Um, and my program specifically takes <coughs> all the, excuse me, all the internal information that we're doing, and it kind of uh, puts it out there for our partners. So a lot of our sales motions happen through kind of a external partner organization. Uh, and we're taking the sales enablement that we're doing internally and we're adapting that for our external audience as well. Amazing. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. And, and I, th I think one of the main, the, the main topics that I wanted to, to cover, you know, and that's something that we're talking about behind scenes as well and having some good conversations about a lot of things. Um, but when, when a lot of your uh, great portion of your experience has been around uh, building, you know, let's just say meaningful uh, LMS learning management systems, um, I want to shift it, the direction more focused on the sales side and on, on have you, have you, how you've managed um, to build those sales trainings. And we are talking about large organizations that you work with. Sometimes the challenge is when you are in large organizations creating LMS is how do you create something that is, is put to good use, you know? Yep. And, and that's something that I really want to, I'm also curious personally, 
uh, in saying that as well, because I, I, I love to, in the future, be able to build a good LMS on the sales side for, 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 the, for the teams. Uh, and that's, that's where I like to get your input. Um, where do you get started and how can you make it meaningful? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is really mapping out the content and the curriculum. Um, you know, you can have the best system in place with all of the coolest features, tracking and badging and gamification and all these great pieces that, that should definitely be a part of it. But, uh, you know, I've learned the hard way uh, at various points in my career that if you don't have fantastic content, if you don't have... Um, you know, a really clear curriculum path for your learners, you start to run into a position where you're going to have an issue with retention. Uh, and not by learning retention, I mean like keeping people engaged. Um, and so I think that's really the first place to start is getting in place plans on not only what content you're creating, um, yeah. but also how do you maintain that moving forward? Um, you know, as we know with a lot of the companies that we're at, the pace of development that the company is at from a product standpoint is so great that if you aren't able to keep up with that, with the material, and people recognize that the content is, you know, outdated, three months old, four months old, and it's already not keeping up with the latest product stuff, they're going to tune out and they're not going to be engaged. And, and very quickly, all the efforts that you're putting forth become, uh, you know, not worthwhile. All right, good points there. So while listening to, to what you're saying, and uh, I'd love to continue on the topic, you know, and go take it, take it a few uh, layers deep in there. So yep. how, uh, the, in terms of the challenges, right? What have, well, let's, let's unpack firstly, go with the challenges that you've seen across um, your career. Um, yep. Some Maybe we can talk about the challenges and also some failures there and what you've learned and mm -hmm. something that you're applying today that you didn't yep. use to so that we can take make it like a journey so to say yeah yeah i mean i would say you know in the very early days of my career uh you know going back to, to gopro times uh before there was even a training organization right it was me taking it upon myself as an initiative to build out training decks and delivering them in person. We didn't have a learning management system, uh, you know, making sure that all of our uh, sales reps, internal and external were, you know, at the same level from a product knowledge standpoint. Um, and, you know, that was relatively easy to manage because the amount of ingesting of information could not out or outpace the content that I was creating, right? Because it was me delivering it, it was me creating it. Um, and then as we started to get a more formalized system, you know, it, where we fell flat on our face, uh, you know, and this actually moves forward in time to when I built out the training organization at Nest, yeah. um, was, you know, we had two people developing content. And for us, the content meant for support people, salespeople, retailers, professional installers, internal Nest employees. We had two people building content for all of that. Um, and so by the time they finished, you know, the deployment of content for, you know, the quarter or whatever it was, yeah. it was already outdated. Uh, you know, when a company has hundreds of engineers updating products compared to, you know, two people developing content, um, that's where you start to run into issues. So that was a very clear example for us of this isn't useful to people. Um, you need to find a way to get real time information. Um, 
and that was a struggle that we then, you know, continued as a leader of a training organization. I kind of reiterated over and over and, and all the way back until I was at GoPro again, running the training organization before I really recognized that the way we were doing it wasn't going to work. Yeah. We either needed an army of instructional designers, which we didn't have the headcount or money for. Um, we needed to outsource it, uh, which is what a lot of companies do uh, of outsourcing the instructional design component. And we trialed that, you know, we had a few uh, meetings with companies talking about how to do that. And frankly, it was not a good experience. Um, you know, the content, the material itself was educational. Uh, it, it ticked that box. But for a brand like GoPro, who was so particular about how their brand was represented, the way yeah. that their products were talked about, it was impossible to outsource that level of uh, connection that we were really after. Uh, and so as a result, you know, we decided to keep it in house. And again, I recognized there was no way we were going to build out this massive army uh, of instructional designers. And so we pivoted to more of a video based learning management system. Um, nice. And that really did two things. One, it allowed us to utilize our products in the filming of the content. So, you know, we were able to highlight the, our products in that regard. Uh, but the creation of video content uh, is much more um, nimble, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, assuming you have a producer, you have people who are comfortable getting on screen and speaking, you can crank out content much more quickly. Um, it's harder to update to kind of keep it evergreen. Um, but it's easier to just start from scratch and, and, and start over. And so we pivoted to a video based learning management system for that reason, um, simply because it was easier for us to create the content in the first place, uh, and then update and replace it as needed. A lot of interesting stuff that you unpacked. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to even go through it, uh, as, as I go through it again, you know, I'll, I'll have to make some good show notes in there uh, and, and thinking about it, you know, some of the interesting stuff as well you were talking about was how you chose to convert it into video learnings as well. And yeah. some, 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 some thoughts come into mind in that regards. Sort of like for me, when I start thinking of, of, uh, of creating like an academy, so to say, like a, a learning management system, just to put a, a different name to it, yep. I will think of it as, uh, as video being the, the main source um, of, of learnings. And to to start the all the whole the whole process to kick it off, I would say like the easiest part. And, and I, I also thought of other areas where you could add like maybe an audio like style, like podcast style, so that people yep. can listen it. Maybe I'm in the car and I'm and I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening to my LMS, you know, to upskill myself and and learn a little bit about other areas of the of the business and stuff like that. So in in saying that. What, what has been the, the creative stuff um, that, you're, that the, the content team and, and together with you, you have been able to create uh, inside the LMS to make it a little bit more interactive, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, th that kind of speaks to some of the challenges with video as well, right? Is video is really good at imparting certain types of information. But when you start to get into like the speeds and fees and some of the nitty gritty information, at least for me, and, and, yeah. and this is important to keep in mind, there's a lot of different types of learners. At least for me, it's very hard to retain that information from a video. Um, and so what we were always very particular about was 
we would put, you know, a lot of the kind of the high level information, the sales pitches, all that kind of stuff in video, but we would supplement it with PDFs that had some of the, you know, specs and information that you really needed to be able to retain uh, and take with you. Um, and so I think, you know, it's very important as you set out on your journey from a learning management standpoint of, you know, making sure that you understand what types of information read well, uh, literally and figuratively in different types of medium. Uh, and so from, for that standpoint, you know, I think that was the kind of the important thing we kept in mind from video. The other thing is, you know, it gives you flexibility to, to make things exciting. Um, you know, we did not film every video, you know, we had a studio, uh, at the GoPro offices. We did not film every video sitting in that studio with the same background, with the same green screen. Um, you know, when we were going out and we were doing a trade show, we would make it a point to film one of the videos at the trade show. Um, if we had, you know, a GoPro event like GoPro Mountain Games, we would use that as an opportunity to film some of the video content. Um, so I think that was really important to us was just keeping it fresh for the viewer. And there's a lot of information. I think at one point we had 26 something videos um, that we had. Uh, per language, well, that's another topic. Uh, but we had uh, 26 languages, or excuse me, 26 videos, and uh, you know, every single one of those was the same person talking uh, in the same background. You're going to lose people after the third or fourth video. Uh, so we we tried to mix it up a lot. Uh, I think that was a really key component. Um, and so those are really kind of the two things that I think are most important uh, from a content standpoint. Or one, you know, keeping it. Um, in a different environment, you know, varying where you're recording. Uh, and then the second one is keeping in mind the type of material that you're conveying. And then the third thing I would say kind of separate from that is that we also peppered in is not only did we have this video recorded or these pre-recorded videos, but we really focused on doing live broadcasts as well. And we tried to put a regular cadence to those. So let's say every third Thursday, we would do a live video broadcast on a new topic. And that just kept learners engaged. It kept them thinking, oh, I'm going to go back to this platform to learn something new, uh, which was super important for uh, learner retention. Well, that's, that's really, really great stuff. And I want to make a break and, and talk about another side that I really, you're really, you really have passion for, you know, like in terms of people management. And I definitely want to touch point on, on LMS because we're, we are definitely nailing a, a lot of good points for uh, people listening to uh, sort of get to learn a little bit where to start and you, you know you, you're giving me value right now because I, i'm taking a lot of notes to be honest and I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna try to start applying it um and, and taking into account all the things that you're sharing with me so that's uh definitely interesting stuff but taking it on the people management side on on in terms of um how you manage the metrics virtually you know with uh say say you're a global leader right and and you have um so many so many employees across across different countries uh, mm -hmm. and sometimes one of this is one of the posts that you make really interested in in, in linkedin um, talking about how what are the ways that, in which you can make uh, meaningful um, perform, key performance metrics right that you can uh, look at it with with the other person that that you're doing the exercise and make it a two-way conversation two-dimensional conversation uh, that has a lot of meaning and it's not just putting scores, you know, to, for the sake of having to do the exercise. Yep. What do you think in that regards? Uh, 
Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, first let me say, I think tools are great, right? Uh, you know, especially yeah. in today's workforce, it's, if you have a global team, uh, you know, it's increased tenfold, but it's just very difficult to keep up on things. You know, everyone is doing a hundred different tasks. And as a manager, you've got, you know, 10, 15, 20 reports, each doing a hundred different things. You're going to lose track of, uh, the, the tasks that are being done. So I, I think tools are great for that. Um, in terms of keeping track of everything that's happening, but people use it as a crutch too much. Um, you know, I saw this firsthand uh, first really when I was at Nest, which had just become a part of Google. Uh, and Google has some amazing, amazing ways of doing people management. And I learned a ton there. Um, but, you know, a lot of it is done through these series of tools. And I saw a very clear contrast uh, because part of that process is uh, doing management with peers. So you other people managers, you'll work with them to go through the scoring process and those sorts of things. And I saw a lot of fellow managers who, that was really the only way they managed was through these tools. Um, and I think, you know, that's what I mean when I say it was a crutch, it, it just became too easy to manage virtually. Um, you know, so to, to get specifically to your question, I mean, I think the important thing is to use the tool as a kind of collaborative uh, process, right? It should not be a one-way street. Yeah. You should not be entering in the tasks for your person and sending them off to them and then giving them a score on one to 10. And that's your, your main interaction, right? You should, during your weekly one-on-ones or bi-weekly one-on-ones, which you should definitely be having, uh, having I know a lot of managers tend not to do that anymore. Uh, you know, you should sit down in the tool and you should work together. You know, what are the tasks that you're going to need to complete this quarter? Um, you know, both from a professional standpoint and what are some personal goals they may have as well? Um, you know, and, and make sure that from the very start, the person that you're managing feels like they're engaged with the process um, and that they can kind of gain agreement with you that these are the things they're going to be working towards. Uh, and helping them to see the bigger picture. You know, I'm not just asking you to turn this little cog uh, and scoring you on turning that little cog. I'm asking you to do this piece of work because of how it uh, feeds up to the larger department goals, larger company goals, those sorts of things. Um, you know, and then I think it's just a matter of using that as, as a framework for your one-on-ones. You know, if you're having regular check-ins with your employees, reference that tool. Um, you know, I've had managers in the past um, where the only time that tool is referenced is at the beginning of the quarter when they have to put in the goals and at the end of the quarter when they're scoring me. And I think that's a huge missed opportunity to use that tool as a framework for your conversations with your uh, reports uh, throughout the quarter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everything you're saying, it's, it leads into a, a direction where you can actually build a relationship um, between the two of them, right? Because that's that's uh, that's not getting together in that one on one and doing that scoring. It should be that opportunity for you to build a good relationship with the other person and to show them how much you actually care about how they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm talking about it in combination. It's two good topics, of course, to talk about and uh, learning learning management system in combination with someone really taking the, the time to do engaging and, and good performance metrics with, uh, with the other person. They go, they go hand by hand, I would say in a way, um, because both are, are really needed. You know, training, it's something that is uh, incredibly important for each of us 
to continue growing and also yep. to continue understanding where they are sitting and what are they missing to get up there. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I wanted to touch point a little bit on that one, but super mm -hmm. interested to take it uh, and take it back and then go back to uh, LMS. And, yep. and now I'm getting a little bit more, so to say, uh, tactical. What are some um, platforms out there that you love using and tools? You have to combine a lot of things to, to make uh, a good LMS, right? Yep. And what are your favorite ones that you've seen across, uh, across your journey? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what the, the audience is, right? I mean, I think some of them have strengths for one or the other. Uh, you know, for an internal audience, a tool like Litmus um, is fantastic. Um, you know, it has a really rich backend, both in terms of content production, content posting, as well as the people management side of things on the backend in terms of managing your audiences. Um, it, it does not work as well for an external audience. Um, you know, first and foremost, it tends to get really expensive uh, because they have a lot of, you know, the, the uh, business structure for those is they charge per set of eyes a lot of times in terms of who's right. accessing the content. So if you have tens of thousands of potential retailers who are gonna be accessing it, your cost can obviously balloon out of control pretty quickly. Uh, and also, frankly, a lot of that robust backend that makes Litmus so great, tends to become a little cumbersome when you, you know, start talking about a huge number of, of learners. Um, my personal favorite tool as kind of a catch-all, and it's something I've used at every company I've been at, um, uh, with the exception of Pure so far, uh, is called BrandLive. Uh, and BrandLive is a uh, video uh, tool, originally kind of a, a broadcast, video broadcast platform. Um, and uh, you know, over the years, they added more functionality that allowed you to start using it for you know, live video trainings. Uh, then they started to have these library functions where you could create these libraries of pre-recorded um, live streams that people could go in and kind of have a curated batch of content that they could access. Uh, and then you know, a couple of years ago, they actually worked with me when we were at GoPro to develop a video-based learning management system on the back end as well. So a true learning management system light kind of. Um, and that's a tool that I've had really great success with. Um, you know, it's for a, a small training organization, it's, it's just robust enough to have a lot of the features that you need but it's not so massive that it's a huge undertaking just to manage the system itself. Wow, amazing stuff right there. Amazing stuff, eh? <laughs> taking notes here, taking notes, uh, <laughs> taking notes for sure. Yeah, it's, the episode is really flying uh, snuggles, my friend, and I just wanna wrap it up, I wanna wrap it up with a, with a last question, you know, like picture me, like in, in, in my case that I'm working for a startup and where I wanna get started, and picture me being overwhelmed by all the all the all the wares in, in the house and thinking of of the videos and, and, and there's so many things that you have to do many maybe different languages what is the right balance you have in between all that we we were talking about right between video and audio and pdf give me some tips where should i get started i'm lost <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I think really the first is figuring out where the biggest need is, right? You know, if you're going into an organization that is growing 
at a rapid pace, for example, maybe that means that onboarding is the thing that really needs to be focused. We need to be sure that people are getting ramped up quickly and are all being you know, brought up to the same page. And take that as kind of the bite-sized thing that you're focusing on. Focus on onboarding and build out you know, some curriculum behind that. Uh, and it doesn't have to be you know, perfectly produced content, especially if it's for internal audiences. Um, you, know, you don't want it to be hand-drawn notes on a napkin. Uh, but, you know, start small uh, and start kind of getting some of that low hanging fruit from a learning perspective. That'll start allowing you to build up this bank of content, this bank of curriculum, figure out what's working, what's not. Um, you know, and as you build that out, then you can start to make the business case for, you know, bringing in additional help to build more content to, you know, build on that foundation that you've started with and kind of build out this organization from there. Um, but you know what? I mean, I think. If you're, if you're really starting from scratch, the, the other thing I would say is an LMS is definitely going to be what you have to have at some point, but it doesn't have to necessarily be what you have to start, right? I mean, everyone has PowerPoint or Google Slides or whatever tool they like to use. Um, everyone has an iPhone uh, and everyone can, you know, go from there, put together some content. Um, I would be very embarrassed to show you now some of what I built uh, in the early days of GoPro when there were, you know, 30 something of us. Uh, <laughs> but it worked at the time. It allowed us to get everyone up to speed and, uh, you know, ready to represent GoPro in the field. Um, and I think, you know, that was the foundation from which everything else sprung. Um, so I guess the, the tip would be just get started and give it a shot. Awesome. And I mean, it, once, one, as soon as I get started, I know who to go to now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And for everyone listening, I mean, they, they already know for what exactly they can contact you about. I don't even have to mention it. Um, but how can people get in contact with you, Snuggles? Uh, probably uh, LinkedIn. Uh, it would be the easiest. Um, and, and I can give you the link to, to post. Uh, if you search for Snuggles, you probably won't find me. And I don't want to tell you what you might find. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we'll get you the link for uh, for my actual LinkedIn profile. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'll leave that I'll leave that on the show notes for for people to reach out to you. And it's it's been it's been it's been an amazing episode. I'll for, we'll for sure chat after after finishing this. So uh, and we're we're in contact uh, in our sales and marketing community, right? Exactly. Awesome. And thanks so thank much for so coming much, to Seb. the show. Eh? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Talk soon. This has been Sales Network One, covering the concepts, the fundamentals, things you've heard others ramble on about, but in an innovative, exciting way that just makes sense. Join Sebastian again on the next episode. Subscribe now so you're first to hear it. And if you really liked it, give us a five-star review or share this episode with a friend. Our website is salesnetworkone.com. Hasta la vista, baby.